Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with drummer Sherry Miracle of the Diva Jazz Orchestra. She opened up with us about their latest 25th anniversary CD that is doing very well on the jazz charts. She also reflected on the beginnings of this all-women band, the paths they have taken together collectively to arrive at today. She also talked about her career and what the future of this band may just be, along with so much more. So get to know her, get to know this band, and dig this interview, my friends. Okay, can you hear me okay? Yes, perfect. Awesome. Sherry, thank you for taking a minute out to speak with me. I appreciate it. Yeah, great pleasure. So let me ask you this. I, I want to know about the latest album, the 25th anniversary album. Talk to me about this project and just kind of how you feel about it. That's a long time being at it. Yeah, uh, well, probably at, if in all sincerity, about two years before we turned 25, I started thinking to myself, man, if we make it to 25, I want to think of something really special to do. And um, I thought of everything from inviting a bunch of the guest artists we've previously recorded with to uh, getting some new guest artists and new music and et cetera, et cetera. And then one day it just dawned on me, we were playing a gig and I, I was just looking, at, looking around the band as I was announcing them and I realized most of the people in my band are uh, also band leaders and incredible composers and arrangers themselves. And I immediately thought, well, <laughs> duh, there's the solution. This is perfect for 25 years of uh, band history to kind of have a pinnacle of music written, you know, by Diva, for Diva, all, you know, 15 friends in the band that have been working together, many for 23 years, 23, I mean, the band has a lot of longevity in it, even in the current personnel, so I thought that's the perfect way to really honor the legacy of our founder, Stanley Kay, and uh, what the band was, uh, what's the, the intention of the band from the from the get-go, and that's how it came about, and uh, I reached out to my bandmates. Um, all of them were very excited, but I said, hey, we can only really stick to 10, <laughs> about 10 brand new compositions. And uh, I ended up writing two of them, and then uh, eight of my bandmates did the rest. Stanley was a one-time manager and drummer, relief drummer for Buddy Rich. And I want to know how, through him, through you, through the whole group, how did this group come about? Well, it was really driven by Stanley uh, back in June of, uh, well, actually in May of 1990, I played a job in a pickup orchestra, and Stanley came in as a guest conducting for Maurice Hines. I knew who Stanley was because of the Buddy Rich connection, so after the gig, I made a point to talk to him and introduce myself, and we sort of stayed in touch, roughly, just um, for, in New York for a couple of years, and then in June of 1992, he called me and said that he wanted to start this band, and uh, was I interested? And I surely, I definitely, you know, because of the Buddy Rich connection and all Buddy Rich is the reason I play the drums. And anyway, we had an audition and um, 40 women came from all around the world. And that's how the band, that's how the band started. It was as, as simple as that. So what about you? How did you get started? Not only, I mean, loving jazz and getting into the drums. How did everything begin for you? Oh, thanks. I, that's, a, that's a nice question to ask. Um, I, uh, when I was 11... Uh, I, I was playing music in school. I was playing clarinet and cello and some different instruments. And still back then in the 70s, uh, uh, instruments still had gender. Girls couldn't play the trumpet. Girls couldn't play the drums. At least that's what I was told. But when I was 11, uh, I went to see Buddy Rich. A teacher took me to see Buddy Rich and his Killer Force Orchestra at the Forum in Binghamton, New York. I'm not sure why he thought I would like this. But I did, and I was just—I remember from the split second that that Buddy Rich came out on stage and that band started, I was riveted and had, it was like um, I was struck by lightning. And I raced home and told my mom I, ha I had to play the drums, and I love jazz, and I have to do this, and that's it. 
and that's that's wow. what happened, and that's what I did. <laughs> nice. I feel I feel so lucky. I mean, when I think of it, I kind of get goosebumps today about that moment of, oh my God, what is that? I have to do that. <laughs> Especially since I never really grew up hearing jazz or definitely not big band, so it was just a really something so unique and amazing. What is it about the big band that's so endearing? I mean, after all this time, you've been doing this for 25 years. The big bands have been around for so long. So why has it been so endearing? And that has to be a cornerstone of the legacy that you've laid down with, with, with Diva. Well, my, my, um, I love it because for the, the, the obvious reasons is it's a, very, very powerful and very, very exciting. And by nature of the instrumentation has that ability to be soft and, and beautiful and subtle and sophisticated and explosive and raw and where you can feel the passion and power just like pouring through everyone's instruments. And um, with, with, because of the, also because of the instrumentation, it just lends itself to so many um, kinds and styles and sounds of, of orchestration. So you can get very, sophisticated symphonic sounds and then you can get that real uh, traditional like block band voicing like Sammy Nesico that just has that punch that everybody relates to big bands so well it's very flexible and and, and diverse as far as writers options go and that's how the, the big band keeps evolving and morphing and changing and of course instrumentalists double on a lot more instruments perhaps I don't know if they I've never done a survey on this but you know basically all the woodwind players play everything saxophone multiple saxophones flute clarinet bass clarinet and you know this you can add percussion there's a lot of sounds and, and colors available and instrumentalists are at a higher level of virtuosity than ever in music history and it just it just seems to be a it's a forum and platform for of incredible creativity and constant, constant growth. Always unique. So I, that's, that's, that's why I love it. You know, the one thing about a big band is it's such a big outfit. You've got 15 plus members. How do you keep not only the band together, but keep it, you know, lively and keep it going the way you have for 25 years? <laughs> I thought you were going to say, how do you keep the band together? And how do you keep yourself together? <laughs> that too. <laughs> that's funny. Well, there's, there's two original founding members, myself and our lead trumpet player, Liesl Whitaker are the two, uh, I guess, foundations or cornerstones of the group. And then, um, like I mentioned before, the other people have been in the band. One trumpet player, Jamie, has been in the band 23 years. Other people, 17 years, 20 years, 18 years. And I think all of that is because uh, people really, really enjoy and are inspired playing the music that we're presenting. I mean, the music is always forefront it's challenging it's exciting it features every it's, everybody gets a chance to be featured in a soloistic manner diva's not a big band where there's one you know there's a there's a leader and then a couple of people get all the spotlights and highlights i mean diva is a very uh i don't know if you call it democ it's not democratic because i actually in a way because i actually make uh decisions about this but because everyone's so great everyone gets a spotlight on every concert every time so that's that's part of it. Great, I think great music and great arrangements, exciting and new arrangements. Not big band stock charts, but all the music we have in our library was composed or arranged specifically for the band, and that was since the beginning of our history. And then the second component in that is that we're we're all friends. We've all developed really close, wonderful friendships, and we actually <laughs> many of us hang out together even when we're not working, and we we like each other. And it's a that it's about, oh, my God, I get to go to work. Yay! <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. Because it's fun and it's inspiring. And everybody 
is so creative and so passionate about what they're doing. It's a it's an inspirational group to be part of. Those are all the good parts, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. So you've had over 12 albums. You've played at Carnegie Hall. You've been on TV. You've been at the NEA Awards. You've done so many things as a group. Is there a moment that happened that, Kind of blew you away out of all of this that's happened. Not your, you know, not not like the best award, but like something where you really got a confirmation of what you're doing makes sense. Well, all those. Um, that's a. That's I like that question too. That's that's a fun fun one to answer. Of course, there's, and it's such a hard question because there's some moments that have been musically outstanding that have been in like a teeny tiny jazz club in Europe and then there's been other moments that are just so huge like um, the first time we got to go to Europe I remember when we got that phone call the band's going to Finland that was in 1995 I mean that was amazing those are considered you know like when you hey kid you got your first break kind of thing (laughs) Uh, our, our manager Stanley told us it's like oh my gosh great we're going to Europe and but one of the really the highlights, and it was just because of the the grandeur of it, was playing at um, the 25th anniversary of the Kennedy Center. That because the level of stardom that was around us from all genres of entertainment and art, it was was unbelievable. From you know from film to television to theater to uh, of course music, and I mean it was. All the performing arts genres were covered, and every place you turned, there was an icon of one of those, <laughs> one of those branches of the arts. And just being in that company at that time, and then be, being selected by Billy Taylor to represent American jazz on that TV show, was like astounding, just astounding to me and, and breathtaking that he chose us, number one, and. Um, that we did this incredible Duke Ellington medley and backed up Dee Dee Bridgewater and it was filmed for television and, you know, just, I mean, here's, it was such a great and powerful environment and then to be in the opera house, you know, and have the, the the, the curtain pull back and then there we are playing and, and looking in the audience and just see, I don't know, I just remember seeing, oh, look, there's Tom Stillick, oh, look, there's Tyne Daly, <laughs> look, there's like every place you looked, there was some kind of star and in that venue, which like whenever we play a place like Carnegie Hall or the Kennedy Center or any of these major theaters, it is gives you a such a sense of reverence and gratitude for being part of the history of the hall. But then that event was just so, so special on so many levels. It's one of the few times in my life I had such a surge of adrenaline that went right from like the pit of my stomach right out the top of my head before we started playing. It was very exciting. You've been featured also in the award-winning documentary Girls in the Band. How is that to be kind of immortalized forever on a film? Well, that, yeah, that's that's very special, too. And I love Judy Chaikin, that filmmaker, spent so, so, so many years of intense research on women instrumentalists, which is something that had never been done before. So that the film by itself is iconic for that reason, and it fills in... In a, in a, even though the film is huge, it actually kind of plugs a, a, a tremendous hole with um, acknowledging all these women that were playing instruments, not not the girl singers or not the singers in the band. And it's, it was, uh, I'm so proud to be part of it and and be in this legacy and this chain of amazing women that were doing amazing things at all times in jazz history, throughout jazz history, that weren't acknowledged or taken seriously or given the credit or acknowledgement that they deserved because they were outstanding artists. So the fact that Judy put her love, passion, and money into making this possible for, for all of us, 
for the genre for women instrumentalists and jazz is just something incredibly special. And uh, yeah, and then once again, like I said about the Kennedy Center, to be chosen for to be part of something like that is, you know, almost leaves you slightly speechless. It's really wonderful. So obviously, after 25 years, you could probably safely say there's a level of legacy that goes into your band. So let me ask you this: as far as the future is concerned. Do you expect to have kids and grandkids and family members keep this going well, well into further decades? You know what? Actually, what a good question that is. Nobody has ever asked me that before. A plus for questioning. I like that. Thank you. When you, you I have been thinking about that. Uh, I don't have any kids myself. I was thinking of band members and what the how the band might change in the future and you know i mean diva by original design was for um to give outstanding women artists an opportunity that they may not have the ease and ease of getting on a daily basis that was sort of the reason for stanley starting the group is hey i don't see women getting these opportunities so i'm going to make a great one <laughs> and, and in a very serious way i think that's one of the distinctions i neglected to mention before that stan i, I think maybe i touched on it but a lot of all women groups historically have not necessarily focused on the seriousness of the music. They focused on other things like your looks and wear this costume and all irrelevant things to playing great music. And uh, Stanley only focused on the music. So that was the foundation of the band and, and giving women an opportunity that they might not otherwise get on, on a, you know, in a, easily anyway. Uh, so moving forward, we have had many men play in Diva over the history of the band. On our website, there's a page that said, look who's played in Diva. And as far as we know, <laughs> it's everybody that's played in the band ever. And it's an extensive list, if you would imagine. But I think moving forward, um, I would like the band to keep going, absolutely. And it would be uh, important to designate some place for our library to go and or somebody within the band, maybe one of our younger players, one of our 20-somethings that might perhaps be willing to take the reins, perhaps in the future. I'm not really, I'm not really sure. I, actually, I, I just started thinking about that. Thanks for bringing that up again. I have to keep on it. It's important. Sure. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. In, in the history of jazz, if you could get a DeLorean to pull up in front of your house to take you somewhere, who are you going to go see? Who do you, who do you want to see in the annals of jazz if you could go back in time? Ella Fitzgerald, without question. Ella Fitzgerald in any configuration. I um, I, as much, I was so lucky I got to see Buddy Rich so many times, but I've never, even though I could have seen Ella, I, I remember the time she was in Stamford, Connecticut, and I lived in New York, and I was like, oh, I, I'll see her when she comes to New York. And then she she passed away. And she's wow. one of my most inspirational figures in music on so many levels. For me, I just I would love to see her perform at any any time. I'm not lucky for me. I was right on the, the cusp of where I got to see, you know, Basie and um, and Buddy and Woody Herman and all a lot of the a lot of the greats and you know Maynard and I worked with Slam Stewart and Louis Belson and Benny Goodman. And I got to see and many many and Sinatra and like that those era of performers. But never Ellen. It was my own fault. So yeah. I have to yeah. I have to pick Ella. Yeah, very cool. So why do you love jazz? Uh, well, like I, I, there's something that is always the interesting question about why did I flip out when I saw Buddy's band when I was 11. I guess I'm going to tell you why I love it, but I don't know why I love it as deeply as I do. You know, love, as we know, love is really hard to describe. Something about the the pulse of it, the swing of it, the way that the the beat is outlined over time, just the way the music feels to me, rhythmically, makes me. Um, 
feel something really deep, like in the core of my <laughs> my soul, that makes me it's incredibly happy. And it doesn't matter if the beat is like straight ahead swing or if it's a certain kind of a bossa nova or a samba or whatever jazz-oriented music I'm playing. There's something about the way that the the groove and the the beat feels moving over time that somehow hits me in a really deep place. And I absolutely love the uh, the creativity of jazz. Jazz is the only music that you'll hear live, that every time you hear it, it's a once-in-a-lifetime experience for the listener, every single time, and the same for the performer, because you never do the same thing twice. And that's always so exciting. I mean, you're going to hit the stage. You never, ever know what soloist, um, in my band anyway, we never even know exactly who's going to play what solo, but then even if it's the same person, you're going to hear something different every time. It's like a brand new experience. And that's so exciting and it's so fun. It's impossible to ever <laughs> feel bored in any capacity because the music is always so exciting. And that's it's because of the creative input that collectively everyone has a say in what's happening on the stage. It's really f- amazing, especially in a big band, to be able to create exciting, fun, multi-dimensional, ever-changing creative music with 15 people at once. It's a really remarkable experience. The audiences are always different, and that, that joy that... Um, I, I know some, some jazz musicians don't view themselves as entertainers, but my band is there to entertain people. And it doesn't, it doesn't just take away from any of the artistry, because jazz, to me, is the highest level of artistic expression in the world, and the people that play it are the the grandest virtuosos because of the technique needed to do it today. That's that's just how it is. Aside from, even though all that's true, I want people to walk away smiling and being really wildly entertained and want to come back for more. That's how I feel. That's, that's what I feel is part of my job, and that's part of the fun for us, too. And I always say, like, very very humbly, I can probably on on one hand remember times when we maybe haven't gotten a standing ovation. I mean, and that's... That's pretty remarkable. I'm not bragging about, about it. I'm just saying that's our. I, I think we really we really move people to a level of happiness and a joy and being entertained, and that's part of our mission. So everyone has a perception of you as a band. You know, your family, your friends, the public at large. But you all control how you are, who you are, and what you're putting out into the world. What's your perception of this band? If you could dispel any myths, or you can just put it straight, who are you? The Diva Jazz Orchestra is 15 very dedicated, serious musicians who strive to play challenging, exciting, contemporary, big band music, uh, where each individual is is featured and highlighted as a star of the band and has input into the artistry and creativity of the music that the band is presenting. And we want to bring joy, entertainment, and love of jazz to our listeners. Beautiful. I've noticed that your latest album is charting pretty well on Jazz Times. How does it feel when you have an album that charts well and the public's receiving it well? Well, man, it feels amazing. You know what the biggest um, thrill for me? One of my idols and one of my teachers is Jeff Hamilton. Do you know Jeff? Yeah. Great drummer. An idol of mine. So it was so... I just the thing you know because he he was he is one of my idols. So on the charts, when I saw his trio album was number one and the Diva Jazz Orchestra was number two, I was so excited. And then it flipped, and Diva was number one, and he wrote me. I was just he wrote me a note. He said, "Hey, what do you think you're doing, kicking your old teacher off the chart?" It made me laugh. I mean, that just by you know, and that's a very personal story. Just but but he, I, I mean, I can't even put into words how much I revere Jeff Hamilton. 
so that was kind of cool. But um, you know, truthfully, um, this is this is just the true. They have, I'm sharing it with you because a lot of jazz musicians and my colleagues go through this. If you don't, if you're doing a project and you're not working through, I mean, luckily, as you know, we did this project through Artist Share. It's our first time doing a fan-funded project, and it was an incredibly great experience. If you don't have a record label or you're not working with someone and doing everything independent, sometimes it's hard to uh, figure out the exact path that's financially feasible for for PR or getting your, your music out in the world. So I think one of the reasons is that because of artist share and because of our fans, we were able to have that luxury to help have somebody help us just present the, pro- the project to the world of music, and I think that helped greatly getting it and getting recognition for the project. And it feels uh, it feels incredibly great to be getting good reviews, and especially it's not our it's not our first all original album. We did one. Our CD prior to this was called Special K, and it was all the music of Stanley K, our founder. And that was, that that CD was very fine as well. Uh, but we did that totally independently. And uh, so this is our second all, all I mean all original compositions. As I mentioned, all of our music is, is is commissioned anyway. But this is extremely special because it was written by the band members. So all of that combined with just being recognized and acknowledged on such a wide. Uh, public and uh, popular and critical way, but it's a it's, it's really it feels amazing and it feels like it's the the right time because because it's 25 years in the making. That's perfect. Hey, that, I think that's a great way to wrap everything up. Thank you for opening up about your life and music about the band. I really appreciate it. And thank you very much. I'm really really excited to be included. Thanks for listening and tuning in to yet another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players in New York City, Kansas City, and spots all over the globe giving fans all that jazz. And thanks to Sherry for her time, her music, and celebrating the history of jazz. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino on the iTunes Store. Visit Neon Jazz at YouTube.com, and for everything Neon Jazz all the time, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Neon Jazz.